Welcome to the one with all to Interverse. I'm your host, Chance, and I hope you're as ready as I am for some mind-bending number games and synchronicity storms because on this episode, we are jumping deep into the Gematria rabbit hole, and you might just find yourself with an entirely reshaped perspective on reality after this conversation. And if you didn't already figure it out from the episode title, we're, talk- we're taking this scenic tour through the mysteries of letters and numbers with the Gematronator himself, one of the top numerical sleuths ever to post on YouTube, and definitely the coolest, the one and only Derek Takuri. For those who are new to the topic, I hope that after you've had your mind blown by this show, you go and check out Derek's website, gematronator.com, or his YouTube channel of the same name, where you can learn the ropes to recognize the riddles that are encoded in the media, our names and birthdays, and every other facet of this linguistic matrix that we exist within. To give a quick recap, gematria is the practice of using numerical ciphers to find the hidden value of letters and words. In the simplest form, by substituting one for A, two for B, and so on, you can start to pick apart the connections between names, dates, and events. There's a bit more to it than that, but it's an incredibly deep and supremely mysterious process that seems to both emerge organically and be artificially crafted by the screen slavers and secret society sociopaths. But one thing that ancient occultists, spiritual traditions, and modern researchers agree upon is that whatever intelligence created and governs this reality speaks to us in the language of letters, numbers, and words. And gematria is the higher dimensionality convergence of this symbolic trinity called speech that we use as an operating system for our minds. And of course, it's great to have Derek here to break things down for us, especially since this is the guy whose name itself equals the same value as the words, letters, and numbers. So if you want to play along with us or explore decoding for yourself, definitely check out the show notes for Derek's Gematronator website and start your own journey. And also, since this is the second time here, you can go jump on the previous episode we did, I believe, in June or something. And we talked about Derek's own journey to becoming the Gematronator, uh, the Kobe Bryant coronavirus connection, and so much more. So this is all deep stuff. I mean, this could be all you looked at and you would continually find amazing results and synchronicities and reveal some of the occult aspects of what's going on in media today very easily. So it's pretty likely that during this chat, Derek's going to be showing us a screen share of his posts and the decoder tool that he developed so that you can visually follow along if you pull up this episode on YouTube. But we'll also do our best not to rely on the graphic aspect and verbally narrate this numerical journey as well as possible. Uh, don't forget, you can get the second hour of this conversation by supporting this show on Patreon, $5 a month. Really, really good deal for two-hour shows that you get three, four, five a month, depending on how good a job I'm doing. And uh, also, definitely support Derek's YouTube channel. Go give that a subscribe. Turn on the alarm bell so that you can check out his live streams. It's really amazing to watch this guy work. As soon as he gets that decoder going, he starts flowing. But without further ado, let's kick this off with the digital riddle revealer and mystical worldview healer, Derek Takuri, the Gematronator. Welcome back to the show, man. Thanks again, Chance. It's great to be back. And uh, just a shout out to you as well for hands down the best introductions on YouTube. (laughs) I don't know. I'm inspired by this guy, Greg Carwell, to the higher side chats to do some wordplay in that. And it's just fun, but I think he's the king, but I'll take the accolades from you. I appreciate it, man. But how you doing? Well, I'm doing all right. You know, 2020 has been quite the roller coaster. I think uh, all of us, you know, are not doing the same exact as we were at the beginning of the year. Uh, goods and bads to be had, of course. Um, but we're, 
still here trucking along, showing people how this geometric universe works, how those who rule over us attempt to control our minds using its code. And essentially, yeah, mind controlling us. It's an MK Ultra culture, and we are neck deep in it right now. Yeah, it's never been more obvious that government means mind control, like people say all the time. But do you want to, I know you do this in every video, but do you want to give us any further introduction, recapping of Gematria and your ciphers in the process before we kind of start looking at 2020 stuff and, and Eclipse stuff? Absolutely. Uh, we start with the numerical ciphers that we call Gematria. And Gematria, the ancient practice, coding numbers into words and phrases. So what we're looking at here first is the alphabetic order on the top row. And in this cipher, every letter is worth the number that's relative to its position in the alphabet. So A is 1, B is 2, all the way through Z as 26. So my name, for instance, Derek, summing to 43 in the alphabetic order. Now, on the right side of the screen, you see your reverse ciphers. And this works the same way as the reverse alphabetic order. However, we start with Z is 1 through A is 26. So as you'll see in reverse, Z, 1, the letter Y, 2, A being 26. So these two ciphers are complementary of one another. I call ordinal the primary cipher with reverse being the complementary one that kind of goes along with it. Now, we also have a cipher called reduction, and this is the same up and through the letter K, or technically the letter J. So with J, the 10th letter, notice how in reduction we get the value 1. This is because we're adding the digits together. 1 plus 0 equals 1. This goes on with K, 1 plus 1 is 2, all the way through Z. Z, the 26 letter, 2 plus 6 gives us 8 in reduction. Now, the final cipher here is English extended. And this is closer to Hebrew gematria and Greek isopsophy charts. Similar to the reduction method, except, through, except 1 through 9, we go 1 through 9, 10 through 90, and then 100 through 800. So it maintains the same numerology but we're instead extending the values. Now, there's also the reverse reduction method and Jewish gematria, which is based in the Latin alphabet. And I consider this cipher to be a little bit more significant than the English extended method. So essentially, we get a palette of numbers from every name or phrase. And each of those sets of numbers are kind of going to be in a different range. So for my name, Derek Sikori, you get, you know, Values that are between 100 and 200 for ordinal. In reduction, you get two single-digit numbers. And then you get higher three-digit numbers uh, in these other methods. So, you know, yes, there's several ciphers to look at. But the overlap is pretty small because they're in very different ranges. So it's a lot harder to build connections between random phrases and random names than you would think. So, yeah. Yeah, I've, I've tried it. <laughs> I've tried it. I've, I also noticed that you like to give examples that use the triple digits because I feel like those are even further out coincidences. A absolutely. And people say, well, yeah, I mean, you can do anything with numbers. But when you realize, you know, you come back after several videos and you realize I'm using the same 
one or two ciphers uh, with these big numbers, it's it does transcend coincidence. Um, and what what really gets people thinking is when you realize that this is a code that's encoded into the Bible. So when we're looking at something like Jewish gematria, we look at the story that begins the New Testament. And a lot of us are taught that Jesus was crucified at the age of 33. Well, notice how 33 has this value of 895, which happens to be the same as ritual human sacrifice. And before the crucifixion, it was the betrayal by Judas, which sums to 895. And the name Jesus sums to 985, a rearrangement of those digits. So you can use this cipher to construct, you know, biblical riddles, essentially, a lot simpler, like I said, um, than you would think. So as I pointed out, my name summing to 142 in the alphabetic order. This is to me, an or, uh, well, an obvious example of the organic matrix, because here I am teaching gematria, which sums to 142 in the reverse alphabetic order. And you might be thinking, well, it's not a match in the same cipher. And you're right. But understand that nobody was teaching uh, reverse gematria publicly until I came around and thought to add it to my calculator. And then we began looking at it and realized it's significant. Well, my full name, Derek Michael J. Tikori, sums to 1198 in this Jewish cipher, which is the same as reverse gematria, 1198. So these are the types of things that I've looked at since I constructed this calculator and realized, wow, I think I built a digital Ouija board. You know, that's actually a really good way of looking at this because it is so difficult to actually pull apart events especially and say okay all of this is artificial or all of it's organic we just have to probably come down on the side of that it's some of both but that it there's too much of it in certain patterns to ignore the fact that it's probably being manipulated especially if you have any familiarity with the writings of secret society uh famous people of the past i mean this is definitely something that they do i mean also when we're talking about government, that's intelligence agencies that are running a, many of the shows. And who uses ciphers and things other than intelligence agencies and spies? Like it's a probably a very old practice. But I do think it's like you said, a digital Ouija board. It's a form of divination because if you're trying to figure out what some what's up with something, and you start looking at things that maybe you, you might think are related, but you don't necessarily have a, a strong cord to connect them, but then you start finding all these numerical connections, then you might be able to say, okay, my hunch, my intuition about these things being connected is supported by the very operating system code of the reality that I'm in. And to me, there's no mistakes. Like I use the I Ching a lot and that's a, a, a number system that goes from one to 64. There's a lot of importance to that number 64, especially when it comes to coding and, and all that and computer language. But an example I'll give is I, I throw coins to come up with what number I get. And I did this with a group of people a few weeks ago on the last full moon. And this happens all the time where things like it. But the first number that started the circle that of uh, seven numbers or so that we came up with was the same number as the final number. So the journey of what the, the I Ching was explaining to us came full circle back to where it began. And the odds of that, whenever you're talking about throwing coins, which you have to throw six sets of three coins to get your number one out of 64 to get that. So like, I don't know what the probability of landing on the same one that you started on at the end is, but this is the kind of thing that when you're playing with numbers, 
the the cosmic giggle will like reach out and poke you and and wink at you. Sure. So what I'd like to do, Chance, is share a decode that to me encapsulates that exact idea that what we're looking at is these numbers essentially confirm connections that we think might be there. So normally I, I don't look at numbers first and have an idea in mind. I, I just kind of look at what the numbers are and very it's you know the, the pattern emerges. So let's well I'll point out let me point out also real quick on your tool if you use it the right way and people can find a tutorial on how to use your decode tool on your YouTube. Uh, if you use it the correct way, you can also look at other words that have matching values to the word you put in. So you don't even necessarily have to go in with a hunch. You can put in the word or phrase you're curious about and look through the list of matching and go, oh, that's interesting. And some of those matches are just kind of happenstance, but there are patterns you can pick up on there for sure. So something very weird is going on. And I want to use this example here. Uh, we saw an article in early November about an actor named Eddie Hassel, who was shot and killed in Dallas, Texas, or just outside of Dallas. And I'm like, Eddie Hassel, that's weird, because the first name that popped into my head is Eddie Haskell. My mom watched a lot of television growing up, and she had TV land on in the house when I was young. So I used to watch a lot of Leave it to Beaver. And my mom's nickname for one of my best friends was Eddie Haskell, because he was a little troublemaker and always would always start shit. So I see this thing, and I'm like, wow. Is it possible that Eddie Hassel is connected to Eddie Haskell? So there, it's like, there's no number connection yet, right? But it's just, it seems logical. Well, check this out. Eddie Hassel dies on November 1st of 2020. Meanwhile, the man who played Eddie Haskell on television also died in 2020, back in May. Now, if you measure between May 18th, the death of Eddie Haskell, to Eddie Hassel's death on November 1st, you get 167 days. Well, 16 slash 7 is Eddie Hassel's birthday, July 16th. However, if you include the end date, you get 168 days. Notice how the character's name is Edward Clark Haskell, which sums to 168 in the alphabetic order. Furthermore, his name sums to 318 in reverse. Look how old Eddie Hassel was when he died. 30 years, 108 days. In reduction, we get a 69 for Eddie Haskell's full name. It turned out his name, the, the man who killed him, his name was Antone, which equals 69. That was the name of the man arrested. And Edward Clark Haskell equals 111 in reverse reduction. Eddie Hassel died on November 1st, the date written 11-1. Furthermore, the character, Eddie Haskell, made his debut on the series Leave it to Beaver on November 1st, 11-1. Now, if you measure from this first appearance in the year 1957 to the death of Eddie Hassel on the same date in 2020, it's exactly 63 years apart. And in the reduction gematria, Leave it to Beaver equals 63. Also, Ken Osmond died on a date with numerology of 63. So right off the bat, you get the connection with the names just logically. You know, I told this to my mom. I said an actor named Eddie Hassel died. She said, oh, like Eddie Haskell? I had a friend who's, who said the same thing right away. So people make the connection first, and then you uh, do the deep dive and realize there is an intensely deep numerical connection. So it's like, 
Yeah, I could do a lot of things with one or two of these numbers if I really wanted to make a riddle out of nothing. But for me to use all four base ciphers, which I talk about all the time, I teach in every video I'm very consistent with, for it to be so simple, it's shocking. I mean, it's wild to me how, and part of this to me is, is about building enlightenment, right? Because what I see in the world right now is that there's so much darkness. There's so much sadness, especially now with the pandemic and people losing hope about the future. Suicide rates are, are up. And this is something that deeply affects me. Um, so what, what I realize is that some people who come into this information realize that, wow, there's been something very bright that's been hidden from me. What other kind of brightness is out there? And all of a sudden their lives turn around. Now, I'm not saying I'm a therapist or I'm you know, a big healer of some sort, but to some extent, people come into this knowledge and they realize that, wow, something greater is out there. And it affects other people differently. Some people see this and think, ah, it's all controlled. Oh, there's no free will. But based on your approach, I mean, you can make something so much greater out of this. And something that has always stuck with me for the past year or so uh, that was said back at Anarchadelphia is that people's greatest fear is not what the future may hold or what kind of negativity may, may come. Their greatest fear is actually what they are truly capable of. And when I heard that, I had to like melt into my seat. I was like, wow, you're right. That, that is it. Because you see that, you know, if, if it, there's a lot of people out there who want you to think something about gematria that, oh, here's a little numeric riddle. That's all there is to it. It's all man. It's all controlled by man. It's all a conspiracy. Uh, you know, everything sucks. <laughs> and I mean, that's one way to look at it. But then you realize how deep these numerical connections are. And you realize it can't just be man doing this. You know, when we start talking about the deaths of people in their 80s and 90s having incredible numeric synchronicities, like the man who played Darth Vader dying at 85, when you look at those things, the question suddenly arises, who kept that person alive for all that time? You know, to live in your mid to late 80s is like a 10 to 15% chance. So you're telling me that this guy was murdered? Well, that means that, you know, there's another force that either kept him alive all that time or they just decided to kill him by the numbers late later. Like they took a chance that he could have died of any natural cause. So the point is, there's something much greater going out there. And I think these numeric synchronicities that we're seeing are not just man-made. Now, I do believe strongly that there are man-made synchronicities. And my theory behind that is that if life in reality itself is manifesting by this numerical code, then you would think naturally, you would, if you were con constructing a lie and wanted to convince the subconscious, you would construct it by that same numerical code so that the subconscious is tricked and people are more prone to believe the lie. I think that's 100% what the, what the deal is with why it's so important because that's a big question I get is that why are these numeric rituals so important? Why is it so deep? Why do they have to line everything up so perfectly? And my argument is that, well, they're just trying to better God. They see this code that, this gematria code of God, they see this playing out. These aren't idiots back there. I mean, they might be evil people. They're not geniuses, but they're not total idiots. They see that this is happening as well. I'm not the first person to come along and, and make these observations. Um, you know, I, I like to think that with the combination of the internet and a number of people working on this, we represent the group of, or the first group of people that's bringing this into the public conscience, something that's been hidden for a long time. Yeah. And that's why in the intro, I said worldview healer when I was describing you, because I mean that if if someone can break out of the fully materialistic worldview because they encountered gematria, 
that's going to lead them places you could never predict that have nothing to do with gematria in some instances. And it's just going to expand their reality. Like you said, you could also take you kind of further into a hole, depending on the perspective you decide to have on it and just make you decide everything's a fake computer simulation, artificial reality. But something really interesting has come into my mind uh, from what you were just describing, which is the idea that everything that we look at with Gematria, all these codes and riddles are strictly only working with fictional man-made ideas, concepts, and symbols. So it's not to say that there isn't a natural aspect to the way that these synchronicities form. In fact, I think any art that's created from a, a true naturally inspired place is going to bring things out of the subconscious that align with nature and that show synchronicity and can help us learn things about ourselves just through what we're creating. But on the, in the same sense, I, I've come to understand the idea of demonic entities or sort of these non-physical artificial intelligences as exactly that. They're artificial. As in, if something is... If you consider God or the creator of the universe to be the ultimate highest truth and to basically be the reality of all things itself, then that means anything that's opposed to that, which you would call demonic or satanic or whatever, adversarial to that, ad adversarial to the universe, if you will, is also categorically artificial, non-natural, not real in an eternal sense. And it, maybe this is a long bow to draw. But I wonder if some of what allows these negative uses of the, the mind control aspect, like mind control and toilet paper, both equaling 56, if there isn't some sort of manipulation from entities that are just guiding those that have evil in their hearts already to line these things up uh, even more powerfully than they could have done by themselves. Like, don't get me wrong. I think they're trying to line things up. But then I think that because this is all in the realm of things that are artificial, like the calendar dates and our time system, completely man-made, words completely man-made, none of this stuff existed before our imaginations. I think that that's the same with demons or, or whatever. These things are purely hypothetical and they can only act through us. They can only become real through us. So I think if that's how they work, then they would have maybe a high degree of the ability to control that which is artificial, including artificially created information. I think the Mandela effect is an interesting example of that because the only things that seem to have changed are like dates and, and words and fictional ideas, if you will, things from pop culture. But I don't know. That just came in my head and it's kind of blowing my mind. <laughs> yeah, I, I agree. I mean, the Mandela effect is something that's affected me too. Uh, one of those Chick-fil-A different dimensions or something. Um, I'm the Bernstein Bears guy. <laughs> that one gets me too. But, you know, for me, I mean... Uh, I was a spelling bee champion growing up, and that's because not because I studied, but because I just happened to have a really good memory for it. Like I could see a word once and always remember it. And the Chick Fil A thing tripped me out more than anything because I always knew it was Chick with no K, Chic. I thought it was the weirdest thing. Like they put Chic in their commercials, and then they put Chicken on the cows, C H I K, eat more chicken. And then all of a sudden, Chick Fil A is spelled with a C K at the end, and I was just like, I had to take a day off of work. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I actually feel like. Maybe it's just a, a weird thing about the memory, but I also feel like I remember seeing it with no K. But yeah, that Mandela effect is is confusing. Most definitely. Okay, so like to steer this ship uh, a little bit, not that we're off course or anything, but I, I want to 
see what you think about um, Lunation Day. You mentioned that it was Lunation Day today. What is that? What? How does that tie into some of the things we might be getting into soon involving the uh, some of the major pillars of the conspiracy code of Gematria, which are 9-11, the coronavirus, and your very innovative eclipse decoding? Yeah, well, right now we're looking at one of the most tremendous times astrologically in recorded human history this month, I think. And both in the sky with what we're seeing happen uh, in close conjunction with each other and the numerology of this stuff. It's really incredible. Um, so first of all, one of the most rare astrological events is something called the Great Conjunction. And what this is, is the time at which Jupiter and Saturn pass each other in the sky. And this only happens once every 20 years. Now, once in a great while, as it did in the early 80s, you'll get a triple conjunction because right after the Great Conjunction, one of the planets goes retrograde. Then you get a second conjunction, and then you get a third one once the retrograde ends. So that happened in the early 80s when we had great political transformation. Think about Ronald Reagan suddenly coming into office, a populist, someone who came from Hollywood, reforming politics, Reaganomics, putting faith back in the political system after all the corruption of the 70s and Nixon and all that. Yeah, my mom still says Reagan whenever I say government bad. She's like, well, but Reagan was good. I mean, that comes up all the time. Sure. I mean, that was a big a big deal. And then the next, now, so we had a triple conjunction in 80 through 81. The next great conjunction was in the year 2000. Well, what happened in 2000? Bush and Gore had that election dispute that took over four weeks to settle in the Supreme Court, I think five weeks. Now, fast forward to 2020. Now, this conjunction is significant on so many levels for so many reasons. First of all, it happens on the winter solstice, December 21st, which is a big deal because this is the first Great conjunction on a solstice of either kind in recorded human history, at least since 500 or 600 BC, going back further. There's another one in a couple hundred years, but this is the first one. Also, it's exactly uh, seven days after a total solar eclipse. I'm going to share my screen quickly again. And what you're going to see is that total solar eclipse has this value in the alphabetic order of 202. Now, this year is 2020, which has the same numerology as 202. Of course, it's the year of the coronavirus pandemic, 220. The scientific name of coronavirus, orthocoronavirinae, 220. And they're bringing us the vaccines with Operation Warp Speed, 220. And you can thank Donald John Trump for that. He's 220 in reverse. So anyways, this year, we have a total solar eclipse in 2020. And it happens at the exact midway point between the two great American total solar eclipses, which create an X over the United States. Now, if you measure from that first eclipse to this year's total solar eclipse, you get a span of 1,212 days. And that, that first eclipse was the one back in 2017, August 21st. Correct. Now, if you measure to the second eclipse, again, you get a span of 1,212 days. Now, because total solar eclipse equals 202 in ordinal, this means in Sumerian gematria in the alphabetic order times six, it sums to 1212. So here, 1212 and 202, but here's the big kicker. In the year 1923, they started recording moon phases. So the first lunation began in January of 1923. Now that means that this year's total solar eclipse 
happens on the first day of the 1212th lunation. In total solar eclipse, 1212 and 202. Is lunation just referring to like a new moon? Correct. So there's been 1212 new moons since January 17th of 1923. And that's when they began the brown lunation count and counting moons. And I don't really know why they just started to count moons, why they chose that date. I mean, there's definitely numerically significant things about the date. But I've been saying for several years that this entire nation has been coded up until like to these eclipses. Something big is going to happen. And sure enough, 2020 turned out to be this big, giant false flag called the coronavirus pandemic. And uh, so we really nailed the numerology ahead of time, but that's a longer decode. So anyways, you have a total solar eclipse that has this remarkable numerology with Gematria, seven days from a great conjunction. Now, here's another thing about the great conjunction. It occurs at exactly 300 degrees on the ecliptic. And what the ecliptic does is separate the signs on the zodiac. And 300 degrees is right where Jupiter... Uh, a sign that's ruled by Jupiter meets a sign that's ruled by Saturn, and the conjunction is Jupiter and Saturn. Furthermore, the planets will be so close to each other that they haven't been closer in over 800 years. So they, it'll appear as bright as possible in the night sky. Also, it's been 800 years of conjunctions in an Earth sign, and this is the first one in 800 years where it moves to an air sign for another 800 years with, I think, maybe one or two exceptions throughout it. That could have been what I was thinking of, but I know that they're, they're closer than they've been in many hundreds of years. It's been a long time. So, um, so that's big. And, and when you talk about great conjunctions, like I said, it's always represented big social uh, and, and political change. And I don't know how you could be seeing more social and political change than you could be right now. I mean, you have a president who's sitting in the Oval Office calling the election a total fraud. Um, you have these courts who are ignoring mountains of evidence. I mean, I've known elections were rigged for a long time, but Holy smokes, they had to go really far to get this one, didn't they? Yeah, and I want to say, too, about this, like, we talked about the Great Conjunction in a, the previous episode, but this is kind of a different angle on it. I mean, quite a different angle on it. We're talking about new things in relation to it. It's such an important thing. Hoping to get this show out before it happens, but it's Jupiter and Saturn. And those two things represent expansion and contraction, if you simplify them down to the basic form. And I don't know about you or anyone out there listening, but I feel... Like at the same time that my life is expanding into the places I've wanted it to go for so long, at the very same time, things are contracting that I want to hold on to and falling apart. And like, it's just this weird mix of elation and excitement and like sort of nostalgic sadness at the same time. And I feel like that couldn't sum up what those two things symbolically represent Jupiter and Saturn for me. And I feel like that's just like 2020 has been that way for, for a lot of us. Hopefully, hopefully a lot of us are getting that expansion side and not fully uh, falling apart. <laughs> that right there is actually really insightful because I myself have found myself having extreme feelings of nostalgia and I get nostalgic occasionally, but all of a sudden I'll think of a song and I'll get all like, it'll just rush and nail me back. I'm right back there in high school, like in 99, 2000, late nineties when music was all good, like the best <laughs> of all genres. Um, yeah, I've been getting that intensely lately and maybe that conjunction has something to do with it. Cause like I said, the last time it happened was uh 2000. Yeah. But where were we before I so rudely interrupted? 
that was pretty much all I had on like the numerology of it. But that you know, I just wanted to exhibit how significant that conjunction is and why I think we're seeing so much social and political change. And you know, there's there's a lot of different viewpoints on what's a conspiracy and what's being controlled. And um, I feel like as 2020 has has rolled on, it does feel like less and less is a man-made conspiracy. And of course, I believe coronavirus is, and you know, this election's a fraud and everything, but you know, to what extent is Donald Trump controlled? Like, he's an approved guy. I mean, he couldn't have gotten into the presidency otherwise. But, I mean, did they, were they really planning on him, uh, you know, making this assault on the courts? And, I mean, how does it help the New World Order, so to speak, uh, to have all these, uh, this, this, fraud, this fraud so out there in the open? Um, I know they're ignoring it, but it just seems like, you know, uh, too many people are waking up. And if, when you look at the polls, it's like, 80 or 90% of Republicans think that the election was stolen. Even 25 or 30% of Democrats said they think the election was stolen. I mean, that's insane. We're looking at a, a very big change in America. And what I hope is that the country doesn't break up so we're not easier to conquer. But you know, lots going to happen real soon. Yeah, we'll see. It seems that if there was anything meant to happen over this election stuff, it's either to get, I feel like there's always multiple moves being done with each play of their hand. But you you now have a huge section of the country that cannot cannot reasonably accept or believe that the system we have is actually co- working correctly or not corrupt or even at all in their favor. And then the other half of the country or relatively half is either aware of that or choosing to be in denial of that just because of their hatred for the, you know, orange man bad. But I do think it's interesting. Uh, there's an, another Gematria decoder that yells about the Jesuits a lot. And I think that there's a good argument to be made that there's that overarching uh, flavor to everything going on in 2020, that it, it all goes back to the original sky clock watchers and uh, reality hackers, language bestowers, the good old Vatican yeah, and just to remind people, Donald Trump went to Fordham, which is one of 27 Jesuit universities in the United States. And then you have the first ever Jesuit pope right now as well, Pope Francis. So it's a very Jesuit-themed rule right now. And we saw this um, you know, in previous years, but very significant now. Yeah, and is, isn't Bill Gates like setting up Jesuit schools with his own money uh, lately too? That could be. I would not know. Well, I think mean, fact checked me on that one, people. That might have been podcast bro facts. But uh, one thing that since we're on the subject of coronavirus, what what things about the second wave that a lot of people I know are very, very concerned about? Uh, what parts of the second wave were, you know, foreseeable from much earlier in the year? Because I feel like you and I even probably said something along the lines of October is when second wave is going to happen bad. And then the winter, they're really going to milk that that uh, fear. Yeah, I think we were right on point. Um, Because obviously, as the weather cools down, they're going to start pushing this more. And that's essentially exactly what we've seen. We saw this, you know, surge in cases up before the holidays, the most cases ever. A couple of weeks later, now they're telling us it's the most deaths ever. And the death toll does look scary, right? 2,800, 3,000 per day. I want to remind everybody on average, 8,000 people die per day in the United States. That's just a simple fact. So what you've seen this year um, is a gross adjustment of deaths moved over into a new category. Uh, Even though they're telling us over 1,000 people have died per day since the virus began, excess death count is up less than 200 
per day currently. And you have to think about all the new, all the, you know, 60% increase in murders, all these extra suicides happening. Um, there's a lot of things causing death right now. And I don't think COVID is as big as it is, as they're telling us. Um, plus another reason too, is that I think it was the end of July where they started telling us, you got to wear a mask everywhere you go. Suddenly all these stores were requiring it. Well, then a few weeks later, well, then the, those cases skyrocketed. You know, they've done tests on these masks. And after like an hour, there's 80 or 90 different types of bacteria and mold on that mask. And they wonder why people are getting more sick. Those types of infections that you get from that Petri dish in front of your mouth, those bacterial infections are what's more contagious than anything. Viruses, the flu is not that contagious, if contagious at all. Whereas a bacterial infection can be highly contagious, especially when it's in your mouth and you're spitting it out all the time when you're breathing through your mask, which is not stopping anything from coming out. So um, you're seeing just intense mind fucking of the public right now. And it's shocking me how it's working. I'm, you know, people that I know and love scolding me for not wearing a mask and not caring about people when, you know, sorry, I can't breathe well in one. So it's not going to happen. Yeah. If we didn't care about people, would we be trying this hard to uh, get people to think differently about it at the expense of our reputations? I mean, I thought it's not for fun that I am trying to get people to consider that this is entire agenda is narrative warfare. It's not for fun. Like I didn't want to piss off people that I care about. I, I don't want to be facially profiled for smiling at somebody in public. That's a fun way of disarming people though, is to just make a joke about it. I think that works really well, but this is a good segue into talking about Carrie Mullis, who you did some decoding on recently. Carrie Mullis, the inventor of the polymerase chain reaction test that is used to determine whether someone is COVID positive. So I know many people personally in the last few weeks that have told me about this or that family member or friend that's got COVID. Multiple people I work with have tested positive for it. But like you said, the actual overall deaths in, in the country and especially deaths from other types of illnesses are the numbers just don't match the, you know, I don't, people aren't just dropping dead around me in the streets. I know old people that are dying, people with dementia, people with other problems. But if this test, as you're about to go into, is not really what everyone believes it is, then it makes perfect sense that you, the numbers are inflated and that it's, and I'm not saying there's nothing going on. I, I think biological warfare is really happening. You can find that out by checking out Clint Richardson's documentary, Wagging the Dog, that goes nine hours plus of mostly just showing you the conversations live, publicly recorded and streamed from Fauci and people like him where they discuss these gain of function uh, research projects where they add unnatural capacities and abilities to things that should never be able to do what they're making them do. So like my example is just that the only weird thing I've observed, I haven't observed it like firsthand, but people I know claim that while they were down with the sniffles and nothing major, but testing positive for COVID that they lost their sense of taste and smell. And to me, that just screams like fuckery. Like you, how, I, what other disease does that to you? I mean, it seems like, I don't know. I, I don't want to be trying to scare people. I think overall we need to re-examine why we even think we get sick and maybe that our belief and certain things is opening us up to to that. And that maybe it's more about our le personal electricity uh, as to whether or not we're going to be able to be contaminated. But there's a lot to that. But let's talk about Carrie. And you go ahead with whatever you had to say too, of course. Right on. Yeah. I mean, I uh, I lost my, my sense of smell when I had the flu 13 years ago. <laughs> I couldn't taste anything. 
Oh, there you go. I didn't even know that was a potential symptom of that. To me, this is something I hadn't heard of is losing sense of taste or smell. But yeah, I, I mean, flu. I don't have a great nose to begin with and a great sense of smell. But I remember then I was like, wow, I can't taste this soup. And uh, so, I mean, I didn't panic about it. It didn't scare everybody. I still went to my parents' house and they, took, they helped take care of me. They weren't worried about getting sick from the flu, which is a virus. So, yeah, anyway. Um, so, talking about Kerry Mullis. Now, there's a couple of theories here. The first is that, you know, he was an honest scientist who was killed right before coronavirus came out because they didn't want him objecting in the media. Or this guy is some kind of character that was purposely constructed for the, the test uh, because this coronavirus agenda goes so far back, at least the 50s and 60s. Um, but, you know, you can make that judgment on your own. First of all, polymerase chain reaction sums to 129 in reverse gematria, which matches Carrie Mullis, the name of this scientist. And it just so happens that Mullis died in 2019. Now, this was a man who had many objections to how his RT-PCR test was being used, specifically in the AIDS pandemic or epidemic back then. And he actually called out several mainstream doctors, specifically Dr. Fauci, saying they didn't know what they were talking about, that they were using his test incorrectly, that you can't properly diagnose a disease from just a drop of blood. So for him to be alive now would be a big problem, right? Because he's the one who invented the test. He would be telling everybody, hey, this doesn't mean you have this specific type of coronavirus. This just means that you have an exosome, possibly, that is similar to a coronavirus that we're looking for. And yeah, before we continue this decode, I'm going to re quick, real quick reiterate. I think, as I understand it, what he said about the test was that you could not use a quantitative test, which is what the PCR test is. It, it's uh, looking at a quantity of material that is being sort of replicated, doubled multiple times to see if there's a certain amount of the RNA that they consider to be the coronavirus in that sample. So what it means is like everybody is going to show up some of that RNA in their sample, most likely, and where the threshold of however much there should be for you to be considered COVID positive or not, that's an arbitrarily decided threshold based on a quantity. And those quantities, as Kerry Mullis claims, are not reliable measures of that because of the fact that there's a lot of possibility for... Uh, error in the fact that it's being multiple, it's literally being doubled like 30 or 40 times to try to see what it looks like after you do that. So anyway, it's kind of complicated, but it's, it's all about the, it's all about numbers, quantitative. And I thought that's kind of significant since you're the number guy. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so remember the big date with coronavirus was March 11th. Um, it was declared a pandemic on the 11th of March, like 113 in the year 2020. Now, if you measure from Mullis's death, to the date of the pandemic declaration by the World Health Organization, it was exactly 217 days. That's the reverse gematria of Carrie Banks Mullis, his full name. Now, also, March 11th, again, the date coronavirus was declared a pandemic, was a span of 75 days after Mullis' 75th birthday. And in the alphabetic order, RT-PCR is 75. Furthermore, March 11th this year had primary numerology of 54. And when you write out reverse transcriptase polymerase chain reaction, which is what RT-PCR stands for, you get 504 and 207. And look at the numerology of the date he died, 54 and 27, matching the name of his test, which was now being used nefariously, apparently. 
He also died 222 days after his birthday. That's a big number this year. Wuhan coronavirus 222, like mandatory vaccination in New York, New York. These all equal 78 or 87 also. And he died on the 7th of August or 8-7. Coronavirus declared a pandemic exactly 222 months after the 9-11 attacks. There's also a pretty deep mercury riddle here, which is interesting because mercury is the element that's, you know, been shown to be toxic in vaccines in the past and possibly in coronavirus vaccines. Of course, I think with this coronavirus vaccine, you're looking at this mRNA type deal. And, uh, you know, some of the illnesses these people are exhibiting after taking it, pretty scary stuff. Uh, you know, I don't want to get the chills for two or three days. That doesn't sound healthy. What's going on? Facial paralysis was one I saw. But hey, if you're wearing a mask, it doesn't matter if your face is paralyzed. It's fine. Good point, Chance. That's uh, it's, yeah, Bell's palsy was apparently one big one. And I'm not saying, you know, this, the chills are, are the worst of it. Obviously, this is this could be deadly stuff that we're looking at. Um, but even this, the mild uh, side effects, the point I'm making is that they're so weird and you know, if I get coronavirus, chances are I'll either not notice it or it'll be gone in a couple of days. Um, my brother got pretty sick from it. He thinks he got it, but I, I don't know. Um, it, I, it's just not an option I would ever, ever make, especially when it's an event that we've seen coming for so long. They, have the, they put the Georgia Guidestones out there to tell us they're depopulating the planet 40 years ago. <laughs> um, and I guess people didn't believe them. I don't know. Yeah, I think in the second hour, I want to talk more about the, diff- the different elements of that depopulation idea. But while we're still in, we're still in this kind of vaccine area, do you have any more decodes on on vaccines or media stories related to it? I saw that you had pulled up an Elvis uh, 1956 when Elvis got the, I believe, polio vaccine on live yeah. tv there also there was also a recent article i saw posted uh all over the place that our three most recent uh ceos of the corporation of the united states uh you know clinton obama and bush are all claiming that they'll go on live tv together probably holding hands and uh, get the covid vaccine in front of everybody well, that's nice. How do we know it's the same thing? I mean, what's what's that going to prove? You got to trust them. I mean, they were the president. You can trust them. Yeah, it's like putting your hand on the Bible and then slipping a few comic books in there. You know, I don't know. Um, so anyway, yeah, this this whole thing with Elvis Presley is really weird. And this is why I say this agenda goes further back than most people are willing to even recognize, even in the truth community. Um, we're talking about an episode of the Ed Sullivan Show from 1956. And again, coronavirus, a uh, term that was coined in 1968. The virus itself was not even discovered until the 60s by scientists. So I think a lot of, you know, the point is a lot of what we're told about this could be made up in the first place. So Elvis Presley got vaccinated on live television in the year 1956, back when there were just a few channels on TV. This was a major event and it helped improve public confidence in vaccines. Now, this occurred on the date October 28th, and October 28th is always an interesting date because it falls exactly 666 days after the first day of the previous year, a number that we are very familiar with with coronavirus. But October 8th was also Bill Gates' first birthday when he had this vaccination. And how about this? On the date that, episode, uh, that Elvis got vaccinated on television, he was exactly 7,964 days old. 
Well, when Elvis died, Bill Gates was 7,964 days old. Bill Gates equals 42. Elvis equals 402. He got vaccinated 42 weeks before his birthday. Vaccine equals 42. Polio shot equals 42. Elvis would end up dying at the age of 42. 42 is the gematria of 21. When he took this shot, he was 21 years old and he died 21 years later. Wow, that's interesting. 21, which is half of 42. What he's saying, if you're not watching it, is that when you write out 21, it equals 42, which is there's a lot of fun ones like that <laughs> where you can write out the written word version of a number and then get numbers related to that number. Yeah, I see this as part of the Saturn code. You got Saturn summing to 21 and 42. We see them coded together a lot. So anyway, the date numerology of this episode, we call it the life lesson number. Summing to 59. The name Elvis Presley equals 59 in reduction. Elvis has the same gematria as polio, including the number 67, which is the value of COVID-19. Now, COVID-19... Of course, 67, the 19th prime number. There were some 19s coded into this episode as well. But what I really thought was interesting is that Elvis sums to 22 in reduction. And of course, think about that. Remember this year, coronavirus pandemic 220, all these 222s. What's also amazing is that Elvis died on the 228th day of the year, August 16th. In the alphabetic order, William Henry Gates III, which is Bill Gates' full name, sums to 228. And when we're talking about the number 228, the 228th verse of Revelation says that no man will be able to buy or sell without the mark of the beast. And Bill Gates, perhaps the most coded man with the number 666 that I've ever seen. Um, and Elvis Aaron Presley, summing to 216, which is six times six times six. A uh, lot of interesting alignments here, but consider also that this was in the year 56. And you were talking about mind control, which equals 56. That's also the value of coronavirus and toilet paper. If I can spell it right. And uh, government too. <laughs> government 56. Oh, is that not right? Okay, I mixed that one up. Exception in my um, but 56, remember that was the date numerology of when coronavirus was declared a national emergency. On March 13th. So coronavirus equals 1303. It was the 13th of March, a date with 56 numerology, that Donald Trump declared coronavirus a national emergency. Um, so yeah, the date of this vaccination episode of the Ed, Ed Sullivan show had numerology of 113 and 94. Coronavirus pandemic, 113 and 94. So it really does seem like, you know, these plans were launched, you know, probably sometime, you know, that we know the banker take, uh, takeover occurred in the early 1900s with the establishment of the Federal Reserve, of course, World War I shortly following. But it really seems like World War II with the emergence of the Nazi scientists into Operation Paperclip uh, being absorbed into the U.S. federal government. It seemed like right away, you know, 1947 is when the CDC was established. I think it was two years later that we have the World Health Organization, or I might have those years mixed up. But that's when everything got rolling, is right after World War II ended. So it seems like ever since then, you know, they've gotten the ball rolling on the 9-11 agenda, now the coronavirus agenda. They think the world's growing too fast. And um, 
you know, I think they're mistaken. That's the wrong approach here. We, we should be looking more at renewable energies, uh, greener ways to grow food, things like that. Um, killing people off ain't, ain't the right thing to do, but I'll let God do the judging here. Right. And Bill Gates, like you said, one of the most heavily coded individuals I've ever come across as well. Is there, well, I'll remind people, I've, I've talked about this one before, but if you really want to get to know that guy, not from a Gematria perspective, but just from a like, what's public information about him, check out the Corbett Report, C-O-R-B-E-T-T on YouTube. Look for the playlist of uh, who is Bill Gates. And there's a two hour documentary there. Incredible. That just demonstrates that He's openly talked about wanting to reduce world population and connected that goal with the goal of vaccinating everybody. I, I'm pretty sure he's actually wanted in some countries for attempted genocide. And we like I literally know people that have said, like, Bill Gates, he seems like he, he knows what he's doing. I'm just like, why are you even talking about Bill Gates right now? You're not even researching the type of stuff I have. It's just because he's got such good. PR, but is there anything else you can tell us about him? We're kind of getting to the goalposts and we'll talk more about the idea of depopulation in hour two and the ways that it's going down. But uh, what are some other riddles that show some of the sinister, subconsciously sinister elements of uh, this amazing James Bond, Austin Powers, Dr. Dr. Evil style supervillain? Well, I want to remind people that the numerology is expressed extremely heavily in the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation. And Melinda Gates, not the most feminine figure you'll ever see. Uh, if you ever watch an interview with Bill and Melinda together, it's funny to see who dominates the conversation. Melinda's up there all animated and using her hands to animate things. And Bill Gates is sitting back with his legs crossed, like real tucked back. Like, man, who wears the pants in that relationship? These two are a pair that were probably put together by the global occult. I, I don't know if these people chose to be together. It was probably one of these arranged marriages. This has everything to do with creating certain numerology. So what I want to point out is that the gematria of Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, English extended, a cipher I introduced at the beginning of this podcast, sums to 1318 in English gematria. And what is Revelation 1318 in the Bible? Well, it reveals the number of the beast, 603 score and six. When you write out Revelation, it sums to 121 in the alphabetic order. Coronavirus was first diagnosed on December 1st of last year. Then it first reached the United States on January 21st of this year. One, you know, 12-1 and 121. Now the vaccine was approved on 12-10 this year. Wuhan, China equals 12-10. So Revelation is 121 in the alphabetic order. Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, 121 in reduction. What about the 283 in ordinal? 283 is the gematria of 666 in the Jewish cipher. 2083. This 2083 also found in the gematria of World Health Organization. 2083. Notice how it also sums to 275. 666 is 275. So all of these organizations together, along with Bill Gates, coded in this massive, it's just like 666, 666, 666, just so much 666 is out of control. And I've never seen anything like it in the three, four years I've been decoding. And it makes sense, right? I mean, this is the biggest agenda we've ever seen. So um, I think it's pretty clear to see what they're doing. And even uh, one more 283 for you, if you don't mind. 
National Institute of Allergies or Allergy and Infectious Diseases, which is uh, Anthony Fauci's group. That also sums to 283. And 724. 724 is number of the beast. 724. Um, so it's it's really outrageous what they're doing. In fact, Anthony Fauci himself sums to 56, just like coronavirus, like we said. Also, Anthony Fauci, 137. COVID-19 pandemic, when you add the 19 as a number, is 137. And of course, he was put in office in 1984, which sums to 220. Now, 2020 is when they put him in action. Oh, uh, yeah. And 2020 is the end of the 10 years, the decade of vaccines, which was a joint effort by Fauci and Bill Gates, interestingly enough, uh, that started 10 years ago with the goal of bringing vaccinations to more of the world. Interesting. Yeah. yeah and here they are teaming up again 10 years later at the end of their decade of vaccines. We got to we have to sort of move towards the uh, the wrap up of our one here. But I want to just say about this number of the beast thing. First of all, I think all the way that these decodes show that things are being done by the book, I mean, by the Bible, so to speak, definitely points back to the fingerprints of the most ancient organization of world domination that we know about, which is the Vatican. Also, there's a thing that went around for the last many years that was debunked or whatever, but the meme was put out. And I think it could be co-intel or just like sort of synchronistic. But there's this idea that Bill Gates had a secret plan to give a vaccine that would disconnect people's spiritual center, their connection to source. And while I know that that is not actually literally possible because you can't be disconnected to it, what spirit is in our, in our personal trinity, it is the thing that's above mind. It's the will that governs the mind. And then the mind governs the body. But if you remove spirit from the equation, as in submit your will to get the mark or the vaccine that you're going to need to go out and do your, you know, your commerce, that is symbolic of a spiritual death. And then what you have, if you are two thirds of your trinity, two divided by three is 0.666 repeating. I bring that up all the time. It's one of the easiest ways to figure out like what six, why 66 is the number of the beast. But this is all really fascinating stuff. And it's going to, you kind of previewed how we're going to talk about depopulation and the gender dysphoria agenda going forward uh, in the second hour. But while we're still here, let people know where they can find you. Any closing thoughts you have for the free hour. And thanks for being here, man. This is flying by. It's fun. Yeah, it always does, doesn't it? Um, my website, of course, gematronator.com. I'll spell that out if you're listening. It's spelled G E M. A-T-R-I-N-A-T-O-R, combination of gematria and calculator. My blog can be found at backslash blog uh, at that same website. And on YouTube, I can be found at gematronator underscore 85. Um, on Twitter, I'm at gematronator. Still put stuff up there occasionally. I also have a Discord, which is linked along the top bar of my website, where you can come and talk to other people about numerology all day. People are sharing stuff on there, um, trying to understand more about this reality we live in. It's a crazy fun time of enlightenment. Um, you can choose to be as dumb as you want right now, or you can choose to be as smart as you want right now. It's, there's no, been no time like this in history. So I say take advantage of it. Um, you know, This stuff, when we talk about gematria, it's 
it is knowledge. It's exploring yourself. It's exploring the world around you and finding a deeper meaning in things, I think, ultimately. So thanks again for having me on. And uh, you know, for everyone listening, you know, I think now, you know, if, if you're not speaking up to somebody at some point and you don't have to ostracize yourself from people, but you know, start dropping hints, planting seeds if you haven't already. I know it's difficult to do in these times, but uh, you know, we need as many people awoke as we can because things could reach a tipping point. We hope that doesn't happen, but um, you know, just just be be aware, and you know, sometimes we got to unglue ourselves and think about the immediate future and how to stay safe and protect ourselves. So I hope everybody's doing that too as well. But understand that God's in control as well. Um, keep praying, stay strong, keep that connection to the source, and uh, I think when we come out of this, it'll be a lot better than when we came in. Yeah, man, and I'll just say on behalf of everyone that's even vaguely interested in gematria. A big thanks for the contributions you've made to this field, both on the research side and the fact that you use the calculator that everybody uses and it works so well. And it's got, man, I cannot imagine how many riddles have been solved or at least uncovered because of the very fact that you program that. And yeah, get in his discord. I know for a fact you actually oftentimes get information from people in the discord that show you a, uh, a riddle that then you kind of go down your own research path on. So, you know, this is something that is very much open for all of us to participate in. And best of all, when you start looking at your own life, it doesn't even have to be conspiracy related. You can just begin to see the miracles of every circumstance that you've ever encountered in the numerical sense. So good stuff, man. And we'll catch everyone on the second hour. Thanks for being here, dude. Bet. And we'll talk to you in a little bit. Hey, so you made it to the end of the episode. Thanks for sticking around and tuning in all the way to here. I love talking to Derek. I hope you guys got your minds blown as much as I did. Gematria is a big time fascination for me. I can't really say I understand how it's working all the time. It's like a big toss up for me, whether or not it's organic or artificial sometimes. But there, I mean, there seem to be examples where it's definitely artificial but Derek gives a lot of examples from his own life all the time that prove that there's organic gematria significance to all kinds of mundane things. So overall, what I think is most beneficial about this type of research is that it helps one see that there's more going on here than just a bunch of random collisions of particles and energy that somehow manifest the reality that we experience. There's obviously some sort of connective intelligence between everything. Otherwise, how could these organic synchronicities with numbers be so commonplace that someone could literally just do it all day, every day, like Derek and some other, I mean, Derek doesn't do it all day, every day, but some researchers really do. And anyway, I don't know if I recommend those researchers. I would stick with nice guys like Derek here. Gematronator will give you plenty of insight into the topic and explore it on your own. I'm sure more community around this subject would only help more individuals start to reshape their worldview and become more in the slipstream of synchronicity as we like to be in around here. We'll have Derek back for sure. And don't forget, go subscribe to his channel. I've been trying to remind you as many times as possible. Give him a nice little alarm bell or whatever. Do that on Interverse too. I'd love it if you got notifications when I put up these new videos. And I also hope that you enjoyed the video aspect of this. I don't intend to like make a lot of video heavy content right now where you need to see what we're talking about. But every once in a while, I think it's cool to do that. And I think this conversation doesn't suffer if you only hear the audio, but 
I love the the workflow or flow state that Derek gets into. He writes a blog post with all his research, and then he does a live stream where he goes through the uh, the research one thing at a time. And man, that's a great setup. That's a great way to get content created. You he creates the content once, and then he can recreate it in video form. So it's just good for everybody. It also probably helps him drill the information into his own head because he's going through it more than one time. And I point out his process because I think, I mean, maybe he's got an extra sharp mind for letters and numbers, but I think all of us could take that type of an approach to some kind of thing that we wanted to create and bring into the world. You do your type of write-up, if you will, and then you base what you're going to do off that outline and you just get into a flow state. We could all learn from from guys like that who just seem to effortlessly provide what it is that they're here to provide. And I appreciate it. <laughs> I'd also appreciate if you guys signed up for Interverse Plus. I want to definitely say I'm happy about all the new members that have popped in over the last couple of months. And the growth is continuing, but I need more growth. I really want to be a little more comfortable about jumping off the cliff into unemployment. <laughs> yeah. So I'm doing it to myself and hopefully it all works out. I'm not getting fired or anything, but I could use the help. $5 a month is real cheap. And I know you're out there. I know you brilliant people with deep pockets who just want to see cool things thrive in the world. Well, your support would really help this podcast thrive and grow and expand. And it's about as inexpensive as buying yourself a Starbucks or you know, tipping a server. I deserve a tip, right? I work pretty hard on this most of the time when I feel up to it. <laughs> now, I think I've been pretty consistent this year. I'm really proud of where we've come uh, as a podcast community here. This year was the year where I felt like there was actually some solid community forming around the podcast. Everyone out there that's befriended me online and then we talk sometimes, I, you know who you are and I appreciate you. And I want to hear from all of you. If you don't hear back from me, it's just because I'm not always good at quickly answering messages, but I do love to know who's out there listening, to have a personality to put to the audience and know who I'm talking to a little bit. Because at the end of the day, I'm only making this content for you guys. I mean, I want to have these conversations anyway, and it's a vehicle for me to do that. But I would be seeking this out in a different form if I wasn't putting it onto the internet. And uh, unfortunately, I can't give you the whole thing for free without sabotaging my ability to get reciprocity out of this whole gig. And, but I will tell you about what's on Plus. Let me give you a little preview. Patreon.com forward slash Plus. It's so easy, very cheap, and the content isn't cheap. <laughs> Hopefully, it's priceless. <laughs> but in plus this time around with Derek, we went into some very deep things. The numerical links between Bruce Jenner, Ellen slash Elliot Page, the recently transgenderized actor-actress, and uh, Robin Williams, good old Mrs. Doubtfire, how all three of those things connect to 9-11, actually, and a lot of 666 in there, and the Eclipse code that Derek is so incredible with innovating uh, information about. And the Eclipse is a big part of the second hour. It kind of just weaves through a lot of the stuff that we're discussing. And the gender-bending agenda, that's fun to say, how that's a part of reducing population by causing people to reproduce less. And we, I think, delicately handled that conversation topic in the plus extension. But I'll just tell you now, like we're not hating on transgender people. We're not saying that people who have, don't have gender dysphoria 
Not saying any of that, but we are looking at the way that the media influences events and what kind of effect, you know, we might be having on developing minds who have all the vulnerability in the world. So that was fun. We talked about the occult symbolism of the St. Louis Arch. That's kind of neat for me. It's my home state. And how the arch foreshadows the very strange 2021 eclipse patterns to the point where it seems like maybe the arch was actually built with 2020 and 2021 in mind to having something to do with the larger ritual, east to west expansion, if you will. So you have to tune in to hear about that. We also got further into the eclipse riddles with other celebrity deaths like Argentinian footballer Diego Maradona and the, uh, also the actor who played Darth Vader. And once we're done wrapping all that up, Derek told us about some more amazing organic gematria synchronicity using his own life as a case study. So there's all that and more. And plus, I hope that you check it out. And I hope that you find gematria interesting. What is so great about Derek is he made this tool on gematrinator.com that you can plug in words. You can see other words that have a similar value. You can really use take advantage of that as a resource tool, let me tell you, and a research tool, even if it's just to research your own things. And I've played around with it. I think I'll always be considering Gematria anytime I'm doing research from now on. I have for since we last talked to Derek. Uh, I mean, you don't always find what you think you're going to be finding when you look for it. But I bet if you do it enough like he does, you just kind of get used to knowing what strings to pull on to find patterns. What blows my mind is all the stuff with like, this date is the same exact number of days for, uh, as the person's Death day. I don't know. The way he uses dates. <laughs> sorry. The way he uses dates, though, is amazing. And also the prime number stuff, like knowing this number is the X prime number. It's a lot to keep straight. He's good at that. And I'm glad we got guys like him out there doing it. Um, what's also fun is he sent me a song that he wrote, produced uh, many years back called Draconia. That is a, apparently about like government quarantine lockdowns and draconian measures and forced vaccination seems quite prescient and i'm going to play us out with that song should be pretty fun you can find derek on soundcloud at derek slash decurry soundcloud.com derek slash decurry i'll put that in the link uh, of the show notes as well other ways you can support the show will be linked down there too including the secret energy affiliate store where you can buy some cool supplemental products to help you with your health journey and i'll get a little kickback and it costs nothing extra for you you can also go to itunes and leave a review for the podcast there in the itunes podcast app that's a great way to get more people to check it out because you're i guess the algorithms of itunes will like kind of scan what your favorite podcasts are and then if other people listen to podcasts that you listen to it'll show them interverse as a recommended one to them if you're also leaving a good review for me. So help me out. Help us find more people. It's slow going to build up this tribe because I think we're so far into the fringe of what people want to talk about sometimes. But I'm here for quality, not quantity. And I know that I've got the quality people listening now. And that gives me so much more enthusiasm for what I'm doing here. And I love hearing from you. I hope to hear from you more. Chancellorinversepodcast.com is my email address. Tell me who you want to have on the show. Give me research recommendations. Just say hi. Just say what's up. I love all of it. And um, hope you guys have an awesome solstice. And what well, I guess there's an eclipse somewhere in the world. 
any any minute now or any day now, but we're almost to the 21st where this big conjunction's happening. I'm glad we talked about it again one more time before it's happened to, I don't know. I'm not prepared for it or anything, but it was cool to get another conversation at, at a different angle in about this really significant sky clock moment, age change, sea level shift. I don't know what it's going to be, but I hope the best for all of us. I don't think it's ever too late to find your connection to source again to get back to that. I think even if you died, then you'd kind of be forced to refine your connection. I don't know. But as hard as things can be, um, I just try to remind myself all the time, have, have trust and faith that the right things are going to happen because nature doesn't make permanent mistakes. <laughs> Everything will work out. We got this, everybody. And if, you know, if this already has happened, the uh, the Grand Conjunction, and we're still here and you're hearing this, congratulations, you made it. And hopefully I made it. And we're going to keep pushing forward into 2021 into weirder and better times always. But hope you enjoy this DJ Tick Curry creation, Draconia at the end here. Should be fun. Always love when a guest also makes music makes it easier for me to find something to play us out with. And I'll catch you all later. Much love. Good things coming. Have a great end of your year and a higher-minded year ahead, as my friend Crow777 likes to say. All right. Take it easy. Bye-bye. This is